Uh, but thank you, Alan, for uh, reading our passage today. As I said, I do encourage you to have that passage open as we look at this final day of creation. Uh, now, over the last three weeks, we've been considering chapter one and the complexities that are contained in chapter one. Uh, what we've fundamentally learned is that as we question the authority of Scripture, we can end up going down multiple rabbit holes by implication of what we think might be the passage and what it means. However, what we've learned as well is that if we look at the language, not only the language that God intended, but also the language that speaks of who God is like and what his character is and what his attributes are, we see an all-powerful God, triune in nature, commanding things into being that were never there in the first place. The creator God is at the center of all of creation. He commands all of creation into being, and it is he that declares it is good once it is fully established. We've worked our way through six days of creation and arrive at a new chapter and the seventh day, completing the initial overview of the creation narrative. Now, as we delve into our passage today, I want to be clear on three very simple things. And here's the three very simple things that rest is good, that rest is necessary, and that rest is always putting God at the center. So rest is good, rest is necessary, and rest always puts God at the center. So with that said, I'm going to do a quick overview of three verses. It won't take us long, but then we're going to delve into the complexities of what it actually means to live a life that has a day of rest in it regularly. So chapter two, verse one, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. I think it's crucial that we don't skip over this summary verse, for contained within it is an important element that gives the foundation to verse 2 and verse 3. For six days God was creating, from the waters to the atmosphere, from the earth to the plants, from the fish to the animals on the earth, and from the dust of the ground mankind, made in his image and his likeness. By the end of six days, the Lord had finished what he had started, the creation of of all things and he declared them very good and he was satisfied and most importantly he was glorified in all of creation and then when we consider the finished work of chapter one and the six days of creation we see God's perfect standard to what he wished and desired and designed there is no sin there is no death there is no disease creation in all of its fullness is perfect the perfect God creating a perfect world for a perfect mankind to live and look after. So verse 1 of chapter 2 may seem like, well, I was just saying it's finished, but it is. That's the whole point in this summary verse, is to get us to realize God is finished, his perfect creation. Verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. On this seventh day, again, we're seeing the same Hebrew word yom used to describe a day. We have a very different activity. There is no new creation. Instead, God rested. And I want you to see that the word here is rested, not 
resting. Rested, not resting. God did not go into a permanent state of resting. Rather, for a temporary period, he rested. And we have further evidence of this in Exodus chapter 31 and 17. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Each day of creation is marked with an activity the creation of the land, the creation of the animals, and so on. Day seven is marked by God taking a day of rest. It was not that God needed rest. He was not tired or worn out by his creation activities, nor was he somehow reduced in power. God is all-powerful all the time. Rather, God rested to show that not only was the task complete, but it was good. No more was needed. He could look upon his creation and be glad. And in doing so, God was going to set a pattern for mankind to work for six days and then on the seventh, take a day of rest. Verse three. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on its, on its God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Last week, we saw how both men and women are blessed by God. If you're a man here today, you are blessed by God. And if you're a woman here today, you are blessed by God. What we also see here, though, is that the seventh day is blessed by God. And when we talk about it being blessed, what we're meaning here is that God is blessing it to be fruitful and meaningful and have depth to it. We recognize that the day was made holy, which means God was setting it apart There's something different about this day. Just as man and woman were different from all of creation, so seventh day is different from all of the other six days. It's not just about rest. This day would be the Lord's day. And I want you to notice this, that all of creation stopped. All activities ceased. For on this day, the Lord was the focus, not the creation. Now, some have argued that because the same pattern of morning and evening at the end of each day doesn't occur on day seven, that we're now in this perpetual time of rest, one that does not end until the new heaven and the new earth is established. And in a few moments, I will come on to what it means to find eternal rest in God. However, for now, I want you to see that the narrative doesn't point to seven days of creation. It points to six days of creation and one day of rest. The day of rest is handled differently, both in pattern and in the language itself. This seventh day still holds to the sequential, chronological, literal day design, but it holds different significance, and one that we're going to see throughout all of Scripture. As Moses stood before God on Mount Sinai, hearing the commands of God that would establish the holiness amongst his people, God spoke these words in Exodus chapter 20. Remember, the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner or foreigner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
The Sabbath was a day that the Jewish people were to remember in a very specific way. They were to do no work on this day and they were to treat it differently. For six days in the week, they could work and travel, but on the seventh day, all of their activities must cease and they were to rest. And importantly, look at the reason that was given by God in Exodus 20. In creation, God worked for six and rested on the seventh. He set the example of what the people were to do before the people would even be aware of time and holiness. Sabbath rest is not linked to some form of legalistic rule keeping. It is linked to creation. Its rooting rests ultimately in the very nature of God, that he worked and that he rested. The people were to rest because God rested. We have a seven-day week pattern now of work and rest, don't we? Because God in his nature and in his creation designed it so, to work six and to rest on the seventh. Now, clearly, there's practical implications to the revelation that God in his nature is rest. But for a moment, let's just consider the spiritual implications. Look at Hebrews chapter four and from verse nine. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Spiritually speaking, mankind is always at work. We're trying to work to make something of our life. We're trying to do the right thing and have good morals and live in a good way. We think by being good, by being a good member of society, by having a good reputation, that somehow this will lead to a higher spiritual level. If we're good enough, God will let us into heaven. Yet we know Ephesians 2.9 tells us that salvation and righteousness is not a result of works so that no one may boast. If we cannot be right with God by works then what are we to do? Well, considering Hebrews 4 and going all the way back to creation, we are to rest in God. We're to rest in the finished work of the creator God and in the finished work of the cross of Christ. It is a rest that can be enjoyed for eternity. For the rest, we are reminded that Jesus completed the work of redemption. And by the nature of God, we can have eternal rest in the heavenly realm as a reward, as a gift, because of the sacrifice of Jesus. You see, we are not to work our way. We are to rest in the work of God. I think Watchman Nee had a wonderful and simple sentence to describe this. Our rest lies in looking to the Lord, not to ourselves. Our eternal rest, our heavenly home, our heavenly dwelling, our salvation is not based on the six days of work that we can somehow muster. It is based on resting in the seventh, knowing that God has completed his work. You see, when we consider the rest in creation, the rest in the Ten Commandments, and the rest of Hebrews 4, we begin to see that a day of rest is about rejoicing in the work of God. For God looked at his work and saw that it was good. So we can now look at God and see that he is good. You see, a day of rest has little to do with recovery from work or a snooze on a Sunday afternoon, which I'm going to put my hand up to every Sunday afternoon. 
but it's about thankful enjoyment of the one who has saved us, who has done the work. Ultimately, the day of rest is not the focus. It's not about, oh, it's Sunday, we better have a day of rest. The focus is on God himself. It is his day. It is his glory. It is his praise that is key to the day of rest. When we consider day seven in this manner, we see that a day of rest is a gift from God. A day to entirely focus on the wonder and the majesty and the goodness of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And Jesus said as much when he challenged, when he was challenged by the Pharisees who had become legalistic in their keeping of the Sabbath, yet had little understanding of his spiritual significance. I don't know how long ago was it, 18 months, two years ago, we were looking through Mark's gospel. Mark 2, 27, this is what Jesus said. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Mankind was not created so that the Sabbath day could be honored. The Sabbath was created so that mankind would have a day to rest on the finished work of God. For centuries, Christians have struggled to fully grasp what this means in practice. Some have become like the Pharisees, seeking a legalistic rule-keeping. You're not allowed to use electricity on a Sunday. No entertainment of any sort, which includes maybe even a walk in God's creation. No work of any form and certainly no spending of money. However, there's also over the centuries been Christians who have taken an extremely liberal view. Who cares? It's just another day. Let us go about our business and do whatever we please. Today I want to show you that both of these views are entirely wrong. A day of rest is not about we must, nor is it about who cares. Rather, it is a privilege that we get to rest in God. You see, a day of rest brings significant privileges, two of them. Restoration and adoration. Consider Psalm 23, that well-known psalm for a moment. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. Does that not sound restorative? God makes us lie down. Why does he make us lie down? Because we would be constantly running. We would be in all, doing all, all the time. If God didn't provide that privilege of making us lie down. So he stops us in our tracks and restores our broken lives to his glory. And I want you to notice, and this is why I picked this passage, how he does it in green pastures and by still waters. We're back to creation. We're back to God's creation, restoring us. Built into creation itself is the plan of God to make us rest and find restoration through his work. It is on this day of rest, as we are restored through God, we are led to praise and adoration of the creator. Again, let us look at another psalm. Sorry if it's a bit small, I'll read it out to you. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. 
Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. And notice again what makes appearance. Creation, the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains, the sea and the dry land. God is our maker. And so we adore him and praise him. So the day of rest has little to do with the day itself. It's got everything to do with the God who created rest, seeking to restore us and seeking his glory through our adoration. Now, you'll notice that I've not discussed what we should or should not do on a Sunday, on our day of rest. You'll notice that I've not said whether it's right or not to purchase things on a Sunday, or whether you should work on a Sunday, or whether you should enjoy a meal out together on a Sunday. The reason I haven't gone into depth in this is that I think if we uh, center our focus in Genesis 2, 1 to 3 on what we can and cannot do, we've completely missed the point of the day of rest. Because it's not about we must or who cares. It's about we get to. It's not about can and cannot. It's about we get to. It's about what the creator God in himself is and what he has created so that we can enjoy. Having said all this, let me give you four application points and I hope to make these quite practical today into how we handle day seven of creation. How do we handle a day of rest. And here's a, a few things, and I will be fully honest with you this week. These things are biblical, and I find them really hard. I'm somebody that likes to work, I love what I do, and I want to do it more. Rest for me panics me, and it actually makes me angry. I'm the worst person to go on holiday with, I'm always coming up with ideas. And the poor leadership team here, when I take a day off, they get about 20 emails of 20 ideas that I've come up with on day of rest. So when I read these out and when I explain these things, I'm not saying they're easy, but I am saying they're biblical. I have to learn them and I think we all have to learn them. And so here's the first one. A day of rest is regular. Is it not wonderful that God in his wisdom has shown us that to imitate him, to truly imitate him, is to take a day of rest regularly. We have a seven-day week by God's design. We work hard by God's design. We're also to regularly rest by God's design. And even as I say this, as I say, I feel like a hypocrite. As I say, rest makes me panic. And if I'm honest, it constantly makes me angry. It makes me twitchy. I want to get on and do something. However, in studying this week, it's shown me that attitude is precisely why God has designed a day of rest. Too often we get into the danger of thinking we can do everything. We can be on the go all the time and somehow succeed in everything. And that type of thinking simply leads to living in our own strength. 
and in our own works, which we know God's word tells us is folly. Regular rests remind us that we are finite human beings who are broken and lost without God. We need regular rest so that we would be drawn back to God, making our six days of work for him effective and be about God rather than about ourselves. To make it clear, it is biblical, it is encouraged, and in fact it is commanded that we take a day of rest every week. I need to learn the reality of this. Uh, Monday, I've tried my very, very best to make my day of rest, because obviously if I took Sunday, (laughs) you wouldn't have the sermon. Maybe you'd be more restful if you didn't have the sermon. But I tried to take Mondays as my day of rest. I think we need to embrace this truth of resting regularly. Uh, Spurgeon said this, rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In the long run, we shall do more by sometimes doing less. I've got Colin ringing in my ear telling me to empty my diary as I read this. Isn't it true though? It doesn't matter what job you do. It doesn't matter whether you study. It doesn't matter if you're retired. Is it not true that there comes a point in every week where you're just shattered and you just feel far from God and you need to just rest? And so here's my second point. We are to prepare for a day of rest. Did you notice in the last three weeks that God has been at hard work for six days in creation? It builds and it builds and then suddenly it stops. It stops because God has completed everything. He has prepared for this day of rest, for there is nothing else to do. And we are to imitate that same attitude. We are to prepare for our day of rest. Uh, Growing up, my father never allowed my brother and me to do homework on a Sunday. Homework was completed after each day and if need be, on Saturday. If we had homework left over, it would not be allowed to be done on Sunday, and we would have to wake up early on the Monday morning to do that homework. Now, telling two young boys that they must wake up early was an incentive to do your homework every day of every week. Yet in this simple example, we were taught a lesson. We are to be prepared, efficient during the week, so that when Sunday came around, we were prepared for our day of rest. Now, I'm pretty sure most of us don't do homework anymore during the week. So what does this mean in practical terms this week? It means if you know you're going to run out of milk on Sunday, buy it more on Saturday. If you know you're going to need fuel in your car, get it on Saturday or Tuesday, because long queues. Just so you know, there is no panic. Costco, Asda, Tesco, they all have fuel. For those listening online, you won't have a clue what that means. Um, But if you know work is going to pile up during the week, stay late an hour every day so that you are prepared for a day of rest. Don't do these things because you must. Do them in preparation for the privilege of enjoying restoration and adoration on a day of rest. 
Uh, thirdly, let me say this. Do what focuses your attention on God. Do what focuses your attention on God. Each of us are different. I know someone that loves to go on long walks, and as they walk, they look out to creation and are overwhelmed by the presence of God. On their day of rest, they are literally always on a walk, whether it's raining or it's sunshine, and it brings their attention back to God. I know someone else that likes to block out their Sunday afternoon for family time. It is during this time that they're reminded of the blessing of God that has been given to them. They're drawn to thankfulness in the wonder that God has lovingly cared for them and they have a family together. For me personally, I don't think this is going to come as a surprise to those who've been here for a little while. I like to cut grass. Um, I'm a little over the top with cutting grass. In fact, my grass hasn't been cut for six days and I'm getting a bit twitchy about it. I also like to be outdoors and I like to spend time in the garden. I like to spend time with my girls in the garden. When I do so, I feel close to God. I'm drawn to prayer. I love listening to worship music as I spend time with God in the garden, trying to get my straight lines in my grass and try not get angry when the girls ruin the grass with their toys. But I find peace and rest as I draw near the one who in nature is rest and has given me in my life an enjoyment of the outdoors. Folks, because you get to enjoy the privilege of a day of rest, use your time to focus on God and do what brings your attention back to him. Come to church and sing his praise. Read your Bibles and humble yourself in devotion. Walk in creation and see his splendor. Enjoy your family and praise God for the blessing. And please, please, don't hack away at your grass. I will come and cut it for you. <laughs> Be restored in the gift of rest and enjoyment in Christ Jesus. But with that said, don't do what distracts you from God. It's that simple. If it takes your attention away from God, don't do it. A day of rest is to enjoy God. Therefore, to be distracted from God is to no longer be at rest. And it's going to be different from all of us. It might be shopping or house chores or driving or TV or a meal out or whatever you can think of. There will be things in your personal life that will distract you from God. Don't do it on the day of rest. Not because of legalism, because you must, but because you're going to miss out on the gift of restoration and adoration. You will miss out on a regular moment to connect with the Creator, to be restored, to gaze upon His beauty, and to wonder and be lost in His love. Uh, you might call him Swindle, or you might call him Swindoll. But this is what Chuck Swindoll said. In place of our exhaustion and spiritual fatigue, God will give us rest. All he asks is that we come to him, that we spend a while thinking about him, meditating on him, talking to him, listening in silence, occupying ourselves with him, totally and thoroughly lost in the hiding place of his presence. Friends, I want to say this. Stop running. Rest in God. Rest knowing that God wants you to rest. 
Rest in the wonder and the splendor of Jesus Christ. I am confident in saying that it will do you good. And why can I say that? Because the word of God tells us that rest is good. Folks, I've not been a very good example of this over the last three and a half years since I've been here. Um, Certainly over the COVID period of the last 18 months, I have been well and truly known for working far too much. I would ask that you forgive that example because we are to regularly rest and the word of God tells us to and I want to be obedient to that which is code for please, please don't phone me tomorrow because I'll pick up the phone because I'm carnal, I'm finite and we're all in that place together, aren't we? So we're going to have folks at our house for lunch today and we're going to rest with them. You might have just yourself today rest You might have a crazy, busy day ahead of you. Don't go into it. Cancel it. Rest. It will do you good. Just before I finish and pray, let me say this. There are some that have to work on Sundays. I'm married into a fairly medical family. My mother-in-law is a paramedic. My sister-in-law is a doctor. My brother-in-law is a doctor. And a whole host of other family members that are in the NHS. And they have to work. They don't get a choice. And there are many, many jobs that people don't get a choice. I'm one of them. I work on a Sunday. Don't make that an excuse not to rest. Take another day. I take Mondays. At least I try to. Rest is good. Don't be legalistic and say, it can only happen on Sunday. I've missed my opportunity for rest. I'll have to wait till next off shift. That'll be three weeks time. Then I'll rest. Don't do that. Rest is to be regular. Rest is to be prepared for. Rest is to do what brings you close to God and not do what distracts you from God. Let me pray. Father, I do indeed thank you for your word and the challenge. You know that this week this has been hard for me to prepare for. You know that it's convicted me as to how hard at times that I work and and, and the many hours that go in. Father, I can feel it in myself when I am far from you and I am overwhelmed. And what I I hope everyone here today realizes and those listening online, that is when that feeling comes, when they are overwhelmed and they feel far away, that is because we have literally walked far away. Father, bring us back to the day of rest. In your nature, Father, show us the goodness of rest. Father, let us never be a people that say we must rest and therefore you cannot do these things. Let us never be a people that say, who cares? It's just another day. Let us be in enjoyment of restoration, of adoration, and of the knowledge that it does us good when we rest. Father, this week we pray that we would rest on you. I pray this in your glorious name. Amen.